I told my father-in-law, man, if he did that, it was going to make it on the national news. <laughs> Life and times of uh, Florida people. Yeah. These are the things that we have to look out for. You got to look out for people on lawnmowers and you got to look out for alligators. to the slowdown podcast boys and girls ladies and gentlemen good to be back good to be back what's going on guys what's yeah. new what's new in the world let's what's new in the world what is new in the world what you what you get in your inbox this morning i had a good one russ you're you're in florida would you consider yourself a florida man would you yeah. consider yourself a floridian <laughs> a floridian no would you consider yourself a Floridian? <laughs> nope. I consider myself a dude that lives in Florida uh, <laughs> right now. Well, well, Florida man showed up uh, in my inbox today. He's all over the place, that guy. Oh, you got to watch out for Florida man. Dude. Well, today, Florida man uh, got himself into a little trouble, and uh, he got, got a DUI, right, which is not something that – just Florida man does right. Yeah, Other Florida people, man's slacking if that's all it is. Is a right. DUI. Yeah. Well, don't there's worry. More. Wait. Oh, there's more. Oh, wait. There's more. So he he got a DUI after crashing a lawnmower. Right. <laughs> but but wait, there's more. Crashing a lawnmower into a police car. <laughs> Florida man who crashed his lawnmower into a police car. Has not had a driver's license since 1978. <laughs> oh, my gosh, dude. He also had a blood alcohol content of 0.241. Oh, my gosh, dude. <laughs> which is over three times the legal limit. Mm. But wait, there's more. He also had cocaine in his system. <laughs> dude, I told Yeah, you got to combat all that alcohol, man. You got to break, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta you break it up. <laughs> I told my father-in-law, man, if he did that, it was going to make it on the national news. <laughs> I got to get home here, do this blow, do this nose Alaska real quick. Here's some great white north. Fire up the John Deere. Life and times of uh, Florida people. Yeah. These are the things that we have to look out for. You got to look out for people on lawnmowers, and you got to look out for alligators. Maybe Florida man was just trying to escape the reality of living in Florida. Might have been that, man. He's like, I'm done with this. Got on his lawnmower. He goes, I should be out of Florida <laughs> in about in a month. six months. <laughs> Especially if he's stopping at every bar on the way out. <laughs> Someone do the math on that. Florida man trying to escape Florida just makes it to the next town and starts living there. <laughs> Yo, man, you got something to drink? You got some blow? You got some rock? Hangs out there. <laughs> he uses all his resources. Oh my gosh, man. He's in the life and times, man. These are real deals, real things. Well, I appreciate just getting to know you, Russ, over the last, you know, four or five years. I don't know if I've ever had much exposure to Florida culture, but I'm a better person because of it. I'll tell you that. Yeah. 
my quality of life's gone straight up. (laughs) Straight on up. By comparison. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yep, that too. So we're digging into the last of our conversations um, on um, the topic of our reclaim training. If you've been following along from the beginning, if you're uh, just uh, tuning in to the Slowdown podcast, I know a lot of people do that, though. Someone will recommend the Slowdown podcast to them and they just go listen to the latest episode. Uh, if that's you, welcome. My name's Tony. Florida man is Russ. And uh, Ryan's the guy who kicked off the story um with the with the florida man uh thing so he's our he's our producer he's our dr dre but um yeah we've been we're diving into a conversation today on what would, what would we call this ministry roles and on usually under the broad category of maybe like ministry gifts there's a lot of a lot of conversation a lot of different camps a lot of people a little different angles on this conversation so we kind of got to intro it to a, a wide audience here what would we yeah. say we're talking about today well, I mean, we're in the, basically the last, the last truth that we take a look at in this reclaimed journey. So we're unpacking a number of these very ancient, timeless truths that God has um, invited us into. I would say the last one, man, if we have to really summarize it, would be just reclaiming the fact that everybody gets to play. Mm, I like the that. relationship that God has brought to us is not just one in which we know him, right? And begin to, to know his love and his character and begin to love him and in that, right? start to find a a love for the people that are in and around us, but just this reality that to live and dwell in him as we've been unpacking, right? Over the last couple of months is to join him in what he's doing in the world. Yeah. Right. He's, he's, he's invited us to join him in, in the renewing work that he's doing in the people in and around us. And that's every single person, right? Every single believer invited into this. And so we're reclaiming the heart of that and we're taking a look at it in the book of Ephesians. And the reason why there's a, a number of reasons why this conversation is important, but the idea of everyone gets to play and everyone's important, right? In who God has declared and designed his body to be in the world. That's a pretty foreign idea because that's not the story that's perpetuated in most churches, congregations, right? Yeah. We've definitely been in, in a lot of places. You'll find that story of churches, right? Uh, it's an event or it's a building, it's a service, it's somewhere you go to. And there's a couple of key people that apparently have been gifted to speak and to sing and to administrate. And the, that small handful of people sort of do the work and the rest of us come and we're encouraged by it. And we say, amen, right? We volunteer a little. Yeah. We give so that this thing can keep happening. And then we live our lives. And of course, we look into the scriptures and go, yeah, that's, that's not at all the narrative that we find as far as what God's saying and what he was doing, and what he invited us into, and even what the early church did that was modeling the, the life and ministry of Jesus. He's saying everybody matters. Everybody, right, has been invited into the story. The temple, right, and in the Old Testament was this thing that God, you know, called the, the Israelites, you know, to build, and it was sort of this picture of, you know, who he is, and this relationship, and there's all these factors that go into that, but we fast forward into God actually becoming flesh and dwelling among us, and saying, hey, now the temple, yeah, that's you. In fact, this temple is going to be destroyed, and it was. He said, but the temple is you. I'm going to live and dwell in you. You've been going to a priest who's been operating in a place of trying to point you to something. Well, now you're the priest, the priesthood of the believer. Mm-hmm. You've been invited to minister to people. You are the temple in whom I now dwell. I mean, this is a, this is a major shift mm-hmm. right? in the story that God was telling. Um, and it's also just a major shift that we would find within a number of religions that are out there, right? That sort of hold up the you know, the temple, the priest, right? The sacrifice to now look into Christianity and go, yeah, the sacrifice has been done. 
you are now the priest and the temple. Join him where you are. Yeah. I what love does that, that mean? What does that look like? That's what we're diving into. I feel like if God's declared these things and invited us into them, it might be helpful to take a moment to press into it, yep. especially if your heart's to walk in it. And even under the banner of a priesthood of all believers, uh, you know, as this, as this truth is fleshed out since, you know, the, the moment that Jesus said those things, declared those things, and the, and, the, and the scriptures pointed us to those things, the idea of us being living stones, you know, we are the temple of God. There's been a lot of different versions and variations of how that's fleshed out, some helpful, some not. And so we are aware that there are a lot of people coming at this conversation of um, ministry wiring, uh, gifts, the, way, the ways that God's uniquely wired us to play a part in his body. Uh, we're not going to necessarily touch on those in, in this podcast. We just kind of want to look first at the scriptures and give some, bring some definitions to some of the terms that we see there. But the, the one after this, we're going to dive into some of the, the ways that that's expressed itself in unhealthy ways, um, unhelpful ways, and then maybe answer some of the, the pushback. So we're going to dive in right away to Ephesians chapter four is where we're going. And uh, Ephesians 4 is important. Um, a lot of scholars believe Ephesians is kind of like it's the constitution of, of the church. It, uh, it, it's a letter that's meant to kind of like rule all letters in terms of how the church ought to like just like organize itself and function. Um, it wasn't written to a one specific church. It was meant to be a circular letter. It lacks a lot of those very personal aspects like some of other Paul's letters. And there's no other letter in the New Testament that we find such detail for how the church ought to um, organize itself and, and function in the world. So Ephesians is where we start because of those things. And we're going to read uh, Ephesians 1 through Ephesians 4, 1 to 13. Um, I'm going to read the first six verses. We'll, we'll, we'll pause and point out a couple of things. But Paul says here, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. A lot of mention of the word one there. Yeah. I mean, he's in a sense, Paul's taking seven theological right truths relating to our oneness in Jesus. And he's just condensing all of them right into one phrase saying, hey, you are one, one people in Christ in whom you dwell. You don't need unity. You don't need to develop unity. You just need to maintain the unity that you already have as one people in me. Mm -hmm. And so in a sense, it's like a foundation and a framework for, for where he's going to go next and saying, and so therefore, because this is true, and then he starts to unpack some of that in verse seven. Yeah, we can do a whole podcast on that not having to create or manufacture <laughs> unity, but right. just walking what we already have, but we won't get sidetracked here. So then he continues in verse seven, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. Verse 11. And he gave, what are these gifts that he gave to men? And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. What's the purpose of that? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body 
of Christ. Let me just read 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we would no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine and human cunningness and craftiness and deceitful schemes. Mm. So we see the, the gifts given, right? We see five different gifts, ministries, roles, identities, specifically given yeah. in his ascension, these grace gifts. And then we see the purpose for which they're to be used, right? The equipping of the saints. And then we see the fruit of what happens or what tends to happen and what we should be looking for, right? In the church as these things are, as people are, are, are running in these things in the way that God designed yeah. Yeah. Like there's this little word picture that Paul paints for him. You know, he kind of, he, he lays his foundation of oneness, which, you know, we were talking about in verse one to six. And then he goes into this image of like he who descended, right? Like, like during his, his time of death, Jesus, right? Dead for three days, descended. And then, you know, he's also this one who ascended, you know, with victory. And in a sense, it's almost like a word picture of armies in, in Paul's day. They would, they would be sent out to conquer new land. And if they won, if they won this, the victory of this new land, right, of this new region, they would return with possessions, signifying their victory. And these things would be celebrated, right, when they came back home. And so, in a sense, like for us, we didn't go and conquer anything. We couldn't. Um, we're, the, we're the ones that are in the need of someone in the resurrection business. We're the, we're the ones in need of a Messiah, of a Savior, to bring us in relationship with God. But that's what Jesus conquered. Yeah. He deals justly with the sin problem of the world and announced it is finished over it. And that's and so, important. Yeah. yeah, it's important because when he, says, when he then goes into like, hey, he came and he gave gifts, right? Which is something that's showing after this victory. It's like, hey, because of what Jesus has conquered in his, in his life, death, and resurrection, he has in a sense begun to bestow upon all of us these, this, this identity, this wiring, this oneness that we have with him. Is, is an actual element of, of gifts or ministries in a sense that we've been given, something that we've been invited into. And so it, it's almost like looking and saying, hey, here's who Jesus is and what he has done. This is what he's like. These are the ministries that we see at work in him. And as evidence of the fact that, that we now live and dwell in him, we have this weird ability to walk in these things, these ministries that look like Jesus. Yeah. And I think that that's important to tie in the conversation here in Reclaim 9 to Reclaim 3, 4, and 5, where we really were talking about an idea of replacement rather than improvement. And anything yeah. that we can point to in our lives that's good at all is just Jesus living his life in and through us, in and through bearing fruit, in and through our dead carcass, you know, breaking through those things. And I go back to Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And what Paul yep. says here in Ephesians 4, but grace was given to each one of us. I love that uh, the use of one there again. There's all those ones. And then he says again, and each one of us, according to the measure of Christ's gift. This is, this is nothing more than the son just fleshing out who he is in his totality, right? Um, right. Through his body, through his church. And that has a, like different expressions in each, each one of us. So he's living his life in and through us. And, and Paul's saying here, this is the way he's doing this in, in and through these five different roles, these five different identities. And we have them here. We have, we'll just mention them in order. Uh, and he gave uh, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. These are the roles. These are the identities. These are the gifts. Yeah. We use these, these different words, roles, identities, gifts, because 
so many of those words are used within the church world whenever these things are talked about. So it's kind of cool to like really press into this passage and go, number one, the word gave, idothe, right? That's used there, gifts. The word gifts there literally means ministries. But the ministry, like this, this, this work, this action, this ministry, in this case, is tied to our identity. Hmm. And so when you start to look at this, you go, so this is who Jesus is and what he's like. And as evidence of his victory, he has bestowed upon us these, these ministries, these wirings, this, uh, these roles to run in, which are tied to our identity in him. And so they're, they're not so much about, um, about what we do as much as they are about who we are now. And because it's who we are, therefore, this is what we do. Mm. But looking at it from that angle is very important. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you start to look at these things as like separate little things that have been sprinkled out among a few people. But the passage doesn't say that. It says there's one people and he gave right, this grace, these ministries to each and every single person, to each one of us. The word there in the Greek literally means to each and every person. Mm. So if you're listening into this right now and you're thinking, yeah, yeah, there's a few people that have like these, these gifts of uh, these ministries that they're running in, like apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. No, that's not what the text says. It says there's one people and the evidence of Jesus's victory for the one people is the fact that every single one of those one people are running in these things. They've been given these gifts as evidence of this. And doesn't that one truth just war against how some of the, you, you read some of these roles, it wars against how it gets fleshed out in churches often because those who identify as these things often are the ones who have the most authority mm-hmm. or the position. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? These are the ones who have the most like quote unquote importance. And yet Paul's going to such great lengths in this letter to be like, actually, there's no boasting at all. Because if you tie grace into what is, is words in Romans, it's like no boasting. There's no boasting about this. Right. Yeah, it would it'd be weird to, um, you know, it's almost like uh, you have like these stories of prodigies, right? You know, you've got this three-year-old child who sat down at a piano and within a month played Beethoven, you know, like a classically trained pianist. And you're like, that's insane. So on one hand, like that's something beautiful and it's something to celebrate. But it would be odd for that person to grow up and at 15 laugh at everybody else who's trying to play the piano. Why would you boast about something yeah right? That you had nothing to, that you didn't have any, any part in how this came about. Yeah. This isn't a result of all your hard work and earnings. And it's not that you're favored, you know what I mean? Above other people. There's just this unique thing that's being expressed in you. Amen. Walk in it. Enjoy it. Yeah. I think when we look at the source of APEST, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, these roles, these ministries, right? That are being fleshed out within the church because these people live and dwell in Jesus when we understand that the source is really just Jesus expressing himself in and through us, it takes the boasting out of the game. Yeah. It takes the pride out. It takes the pity out. And all of a sudden it's, no, uh, I'm walking in this thing as evidence of Jesus's victory yeah. over sin and death. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, this is something that I get to run in because of who he is and what he's done. This is a gift. And because they all have the same source, no one is more important than the other. Right. They all come from the same, the same person. And yet, and, and because each one are a reflection and an expression of who he is. Jesus is the true apostle, the true sent one, the true prophet, right? The true one who comes on behalf of God to the people, the true evangelist with the heart for the lost, the true shepherd who cares for, right? Our hearts and our well-being and our in caring for us and jumps in the pain and the hurt and, you know, and he just, he cares for us as a good shepherd. And he's the true teacher, the one who explains, right? The invisible, unknown God to us in simple and tangible ways. He's because all these things are sourced in him. 
no one is more important than the other. And we're kind of getting into our next conversation for next week and the, like the different ways that these are perverted or the unhealthy ways they're expressed. Um, but I think that that's a killer point. Now, before we get into defining these terms, which is where we're going to go next, we just want to point out one really, really quick thing, and it's the purpose of these things. They don't have an end in and of themselves for people to have titles and positions and, oh, look at so-and-so. They actually have a, a purpose. Yeah, verse 11, Paul tells us that these, these ministries of Jesus that, that we're walking in, he says that they were, that, that they were given for the, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry verse 11, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so when we pull back on that and start to look at it from on high, you're basically looking down on the church as a whole throughout the world. These one people, right? Millions of people. And you're saying every single one of them has been, been invited to live and dwell in Jesus as a one people. And the evidence of this is there's these ministries of Jesus that are being expressed through every single one of those people, whether it's as an apostle or a prophet or an evangelist or a shepherd or a teacher all these things are being expressed through every single one of them. And this purpose, he tells us right here in this verse, isn't so that this evangelist can go and, and share the gospel with every single person or that this teacher can be an amazing teacher that everyone's coming to to learn more about what the scriptures say. He actually says, no, 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 no. They were all given these things to equip each other to run in these things. Which presupposes, right? That point presupposes that everybody is gifted this way but that there are some in any given, right? Like expression or body or moment of time who can and are able to equip others to run in those roles, however God has wired them. Yeah, so if you, you know, you're all gonna run in all of these things because this is just who Jesus is and he's expressing himself through us. So we're all gonna walk in these things in some capacity. But for whatever reason, the Lord's chosen, like for, for Bob over here, there's this evangelist nature of Jesus that is mostly expressed in and through his life. And his job isn't to go and reach everyone. His main task is helping the rest of us go and be witnesses of Jesus. Because as we dug into and reclaimed seven, right? Every one of us has been invited to be a witness of Jesus. We might not be an evangelist like Bob, who just loves to go strike up conversations and share the gospel with everyone, but we all need to be equipped in how to pass on the good news. Hmm. And over here is Susie, who's a great teacher. And the role of Susie isn't to teach all of us, right, the knowledge of the scriptures. Her primary task, Ephesians 4 says, is to help the rest of us teach others to walk with Jesus, which goes right back to Reclaim 7. We've been called to love people and disciple people and teach them to walk with Jesus, every single person, Matthew 28. I need Susie to help me teach others to walk with Jesus. I don't need her to teach me the rest of my life. Amen. I think that's such an important point too, considering that most people define uh, the work of ministry here in Ephesians 4 is like handing out bulletins or prepping coffee, you know, before a church service or, you know, helping somebody lead some, you know, classroom. And I'm sure those things are great and important and needed, especially if you're going to have public services. Hey man, hand a bulletin out, shake someone's hand, (laughs) put a smile on your face, but it's so much more you know, here, we, 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 we just, we tend to interpret these things in light of the expressions that are, that are dominant, but coming back to the scriptures and reclaiming what's here, it's exactly what you were saying. The min, the work of the ministry is broadly under the umbrella of the mission he gave us in Matthew 28 and how you uniquely contribute that according to a grace gift given to you by Jesus himself. That's it. And so with that said, and we're wrapping up here, but let's give some baseline definitions for apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher for people to chew on until next week. And we can dive into a little bit more detail 
right? And how these things flush out and, and even some of the unhealthy ways that we've defined or even neglected and uh, ignored uh, some of these things. But let's start with apostle. And I think it's important to note apostle that the term apostle and even the function of apostle is a very, very general term, especially here in the first century. The word literally means just messenger, sent one on behalf of another to carry a message. Yeah. This, this is not a term that Jesus made up. It's not you know a special word that just was invented uh, right here with the apostles. It's literally just borrowed from culture, a very simple word that means messenger and sent one. And the reason I bring that up in at the beginning of this definition is just to point out just the very basic everyday nature of this term and of this role, because of all the ones that we see here in Ephesians four, this one has like the most mystery around it. You know, it's like, we usually see this word in capital A, like it's, you know, so important. And we're not saying that, you know, those original apostles didn't play an important role. We're just seeing the everyday aspect and nature of what we're, what we're considering here in apostle an everyday messenger, an everyday sent one. Yeah, it's, it's an everyday person. I agree. Definitely a messenger. I mean, even the word that's used here in Ephesians 4 is you know, a lowercase in the text, apostle, just in reference to like apostolic wiring. Think pioneer, not apostolic office, as in someone in authority that saw Jesus personally, was discipled by Jesus personally, right? Like seeing him. Um, this would be different in, in it, just in its nature. So even like in society, we can see people that are pioneers who love to start and drive new ventures. Well, that would be the same here. The case in what Jesus is referring to here is, is not so much the, the nature of what he's expressed in people that, right, who were created in his image as pioneers, but people who have also awoken to this idea that the, that the kingdom is at hand. And so they've joined in with, with Jesus and the, the spreading of this idea to new places. Yeah. I think it's important to note too that an apostle, a messenger, a sent one, really what they have to say, the only, it, the only importance attached to it is where the message is coming from. If, yeah. if, if an apostle or messenger was sent on behalf of, of me, it's like, dude, okay, who are you and who are you, who are you speaking on behalf of? We don't know this Tony guys and nobody. But when you have, right, a messenger, right, and, and, and someone who's sent on behalf of a guy who lived, died, and rose again and walked out of a tomb, with authority, our creator and our reconciler and our sustainer. Now all of a sudden, right? That has some importance, but it's because of the one who's sending them. That's good, man. That's really good. And then the second one that Paul mentions is, is prophets, right? And he gave some to be apostles and he gave some to be prophets. And in society, those people would be those with this like prophetic wiring or often like creative or strategic thinkers. Think of Think of the people who easily see the gaps between what is and what should be. So in the New Testament, we don't so much see this as like a fourth teller of something that God hasn't declared, okay, like we would see like in the Old Testament, but more of just a bold proclaimer of what God has already made known, right, through, through his son. So in short, they're always sort of asking like, who is God and what does he require of us in this day and time? They're uh, quintessential questioners. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they play a critical role in the church because they're constantly helping a community's capacity to, to speak grace and truth to one another in light of what God has done and declared. Yeah. So that's sort of like this role that Jesus is expressing through some people. No, I think that's good. And just to say, I think apostle prophet probably needs the most nuance because they're the two that have been neglected the most. Yeah. Um, but then just kind of running through the rest of the list here, evangelists, 
I think everybody kind of like, I'm not saying that this role hasn't been misrepresented, you know, certainly by Yahoo standing on street corners with signs like yelling at people <laughs> instead of uh, a reflection of the Jesus who actually has table fellowship, right? And welcomes people and adds value to them and invites them to his table as beloved guests and just shares the heart of God and good news uh, with people who don't yet know that or awaken to that. But that's exactly what we're seeing here with evangelists. They're, they're just, they're, they're people that have a knack for new relationships, new friendships come easy to them. They're able to just weave into, you know, conversations about deeper things in life more, more quickly than, than others in society. They're, they're connectors. They're just able to, right. Just meet people, make them feel loved, get to even hard conversations, uh, sometimes very, very easily. I love that. And so something that we see sort of in the nature of like who Jesus is and just this role being expressed through us is also sort of that recruiter to the cause in a sense, right? They, um, they, love, to, they, they, they love to connect with people. They love to, uh, to invite people into this thing, right? Into this life that, that God has given us. They love to pass on this good news of, of who he is. And of course, you know, we just always want to be bringing these things back around to what Paul says in verse 12. And this so that other people that are within the body learn what does it mean, right? to love people where they are, to connect with people who are outside, Mm. to welcome them, to pass on the good news that, right, of who Jesus is. And that's so opposite of how most uh, church leaders treat evangelists because, and prophets too, A's as well, the A's, the P's and the E's, you know, those catalysts, I'm sure we'll get into this next episode because they usually come like, man, we're, we're missing this. We're just so about just gathering and, and ourselves. And man, we're really not about you know, the gospel going to places where it's not believed and people aren't awakened to it. And then they'll be like, oh, okay, cool. Well, you, you, yeah, I just want to empower you to go do that. And what they mean is like, leave my office, stop being a spiritual irritant and you go fly solo and go just do this thing right Monday to Saturday. And we just don't see that here in Ephesians. It's more like, man, no, this is connected to like the health of the church, the movement of the church, the expression of its life throughout the week. Mm, it's a good, it's just, it's such a, such a needed understanding when we look at these things which kind of even goes into just a needed understanding of a word that is pretty prominent in church culture, which is the word shepherds, because Paul uses that as well. And in society, shepherds would almost be like nurturers, right? People in positions of always thinking about the health of, of people or the health of a community or an organization. Think like an HR director. In a sense, like that's the New Testament shepherd. That's probably one of the best analogies that I have for that role. They're bent towards connectedness, inclusion, stability. I would say... Um, there are people who are for sure within the church. We see that. That's why God gave it to the church. But, but we, I would also say that if your heart isn't for people being connected, if you don't know like the intimate details of the people in and around you, then you're probably not a shepherd primarily. I just think that's a really pointed thing to know and understand about this role within the church. Is, um, it's not so much a caregiver, which is sometimes what we limit it to. It's, it's much, much more than that. It's someone who's thinking about the whole health of a person and of an organization and so they know the details of those people and that organization. And they can't help but be focused on that and lead in that and equip other people to care about that. That's, that's what the shepherd does within the body. Yeah, that's good. And the next one we have, teacher, the last one, just wrapping up here. Um, teachers, they make sense of otherwise complex ideas. They organize information in helpful ways. Um, they help people like right grab onto things that can otherwise be really, really complex. We see Jesus as a true teacher. John 1.18, he comes and makes the unseen God known, right? He comes to reveal. He comes to do that. And in, in, in how does Jesus do that? He does it in very simple ways. 
right? When he explains the kingdom, he explains it in terms of a field, right? A net. Um, when he explains God, right? He explains them in, in, in simple ways. He shows people. Yeah. And also to say about this idea of, of teachers and, and teaching, this tends to be, right, the most elevated person in some some organizations some expressions of of the church but again just to point out the everyday nature of this idea of a teacher and teaching this is not just relegated to you know a pulpit and 45 minutes on a sunday this is expresses itself right not just in a pulpit but at a table on a front porch these are everyday people everyday conversations everyday relationships and they're helping people make sense of who God is as revealed in Jesus in the scriptures. And they're helping other people too, other teachers to walk in that and do that with others as well. Yeah. I love that. It's, it's helping the other people that carry this wiring run in that. And then it's helping every single person who runs primarily in these other wirings, whether it's as an apostle or a prophet or evangelist, right? Or a shepherd, it's helping them, live into their wiring to also teach the people around them to walk with Jesus, which I think it's cool because if it's, if a teacher is not careful, they'll, they can oftentimes find themselves thinking the scriptures is the, is the end of the journey, right? Rather than the start. Hmm. And they can also think that um, the teaching is something that you just need to hear and then go do, which in Jesus's case, all of his teaching would require participation. His teaching was inviting people to come walk into something and learn as they went, not just come hear something. All right, now I got something else for you. And that's pretty life-giving when you start to hone in on the fact that that's how Jesus taught and that's how he's invited us to teach and that there are people that he's wired to help the whole body walk in that. So good, man. So good. We're way past our time, but as you can tell, we're, we're pretty fired up and excited about, about this. And I think we get a lot, of, a lot of joy in helping everyday people who thought that their only way to serve as a part of the body of Christ was to hand out a bulletin or serve in a children's classroom and to come to find out that no, like God's wired them in a unique way uh, to be a part of his mission, the reconciled sharing the message of reconciliation and being a part of, you know, discipling their neighbors and each other and those kinds of things. So we're going to pick it back up um, in part two of this. We're going to dive into a number of other different things. So see you guys next week. Amen. Thank you.